Amen. Thank you for that. Well, we have been, uh, for several weeks now, we've been in a series on prayer, just something that's just so crucial, that's needed for, for all of us. We have felt the, the Spirit really speaking to us that this is something we absolutely need to, to preach about, to share about, to talk about. We've been talking about it in our home life groups. Um, and uh, for these last two weeks of the series, I've enlisted some, some heavy hitters. These are some prayer warriors who know what they're talking about. And so I'm excited today. Uh, would you give a big welcome to my wife, Melissa? Good morning. Okay, I'm going to start today with a poem called The Prayer of Cyrus Brown. The proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keyes, and the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. Nay, I should say the way to pray, said Reverend Dr. Wise, is standing straight with outstretched arms and rapt and upturned eyes. Oh, no, 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 said Elder Snow, such posture is too proud. A man should pray with eyes fast closed and head contritely bowed. It seems to me his hand should be astutely clasped in front with both thumbs pointing down toward the ground, said Reverend Hunt. Last year, I fell in Hodgkin's well, head first, said Cyrus Brown, with both my heels a-sticking up my head a-pointing down. And I made a prayer right there and then, best prayer I ever said, the prayingest prayer I ever prayed is standing on my head. <laughs> Cyrus Brown. When you pray, do you think it matters to God if you're standing or you're sitting or you're walking or you're jogging or you're doing the dishes? No, no, no. no. That doesn't matter to him. What matters is that we are talking to God, is that we're including him in the big stuff and the small stuff. And Dallas Willard said, prayer is talking to God about what we're doing together. And I love the simplicity of that. And worship is prayer, and intercession is prayer, and petition is prayer, and asking God a random question in the middle of the day, that's a prayer. They're all prayers. And so much more than the physical posture of our prayer is the heart posture of our prayer. Are we praying humble prayers, sincere prayers, authentic prayers, kingdom-driven prayers? Are we praying prayers that make a difference and matter? So today... Uh, we're going to continue our prayer series talking about how to pray more genuine, Christ-centered prayers. And I'm talking today about persistent prayer. And persistent prayer can mean different things. Uh, one way of describing persistent prayer is Ephesians 6.18. It says, Paul says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people, all occasions, all prayers, all people. And that is a very prayerful life. And last week, Scott taught on praying without ceasing. And that's the idea of that prayer, that we're just going to be continuously in an attitude of prayer for whatever's coming up. So there's persistent in prayer, and then there's the persistent prayer, which is different. 
That's a prayer involving a specific request that you are hopeful for a specific result and you continually lift that prayer to the Lord. So let me ask you, who in here has ever prayed more than one month for the same thing? All right, how about more than a year? How about more than 10 years? Wow. How about more than 20 years for the same thing? That is the persistent prayer right there. We're going to talk about that this morning. And I hope that we discover three things together. One, why, why it's crucial. Number two, that we don't have to beg God for anything. And number three, how we can never lose heart no matter the outcome. All right, so we're going to start with a parable Jesus taught when a disciple asked, Lord, teach us to pray. And here is the parable, Luke 11, if you have your Bibles or follow up here. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. It's an unusual parable, isn't it? Let me modernize this for you just so we get a better grasp. Here's how this parable plays at my house, okay? Suppose you have a dog. And he comes to you at dinner time and says, friend, lend me three bites of your chicken. I realize my own food bowl is yonder, but yours smells much more delicious. And suppose I answer, don't bother me. This is my dinner, and my children have their dinner, and your dinner is in your bowl, and I can't give you any of my chicken. The dog then rests his chin ever so gently on your knee and stares silently into your eyes with respectful hope. And even though I will not give him the chicken because of friendship, Yet because of this dog's shameless audacity and puppy eyes, I will surely give in and give him the chicken that he needs. <laughs> All right, back to Jesus, back to the original parable. So I say to you, ask, it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For any, everyone who asks receives. Whew, those are powerful words. The one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus teaches us to ask, seek, and knock. Even my dog Gus knows the power of asking. Do we know the power of asking? We've been invited. This Jesus basically saying, communicate. You've been invited to communicate with the God of the universe. And he's inviting us to know him and discover who we are in him. So then let's do it. Let's invite him into our thoughts and our family and our jobs and our dreams and our problems. Because the more we seek and ask and knock, the more the kingdom of God infiltrates our world. 
So here's a similar parable in Luke 18. This is, parable is called the persistent widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Why is Jesus sharing this parable? To show us we should always pray and not give up. Oh, isn't that just so nice when like we know the reason for the parable, like right at the front? This is the reason. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in the town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come back and attack me. <laughs> um, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust says. And will God, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Is this parable, or even the one before it, is it describing God? Is God a friend who's not going to get out of bed for you? Or an unjust judge who neither fears God? No, that can't be right. These parables are not describing God at all. These are not God. This is not a parable of how we approach God in prayer. we got to wear him down. We're just going to wear God down, you guys. We're just going to keep coming and coming until he's like, all right, already. No, these are not about God. These are not about God. And this is really important to get. Um, the parables are teaching us a lesson in faith. These are about faith. So this woman's faith served her well in an unjust system, right? So imagine what your faith can do in the presence of a loving and just God. What your request can do to a loving God who is just and who is good and who does love you. So the parables are about praying and not giving up. Don't give up. Now, what else does it teach us? We might have to ask more than once. But don't give up. And we have all the reason in the world with our God to hold fast and not give up and to continue in our hope and in faith. The real question is, why do we need to keep asking? Am I right? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> why? God can hear. He can hear me. Why? Why must we keep asking? And why can't God, like Amazon Prime, <laughs> just drop it to our doorstep? I mean, how many would pay a little extra for same-day delivery? Am I right? Right? This, this prayer can be answered between 5 and 10 p.m. tonight? <laughs> Done. Sold. Actually, do you know what? Sometimes God does answer prayers that fast. Doesn't he? Sometimes it happens. I'll never forget, Mason was four years old. He was playing like normal. Everything was happy, and he started screaming. He started doubled over, screaming in pain. 
And I just picked him up and put him in the car and started driving to the emergency room. And he was screaming at the top of his lungs the entire time. And so I'm thinking, his appendix has burst. Something has happened like that. I called the Hales. Pray, we're going to the emergency room. I didn't scream it. They couldn't even hear me barely over the screams in the back seat. I'm just praying the whole way. I'm just praying, thank you, Lord, for just, just healing Mason. I pull into the ER driving, the parking space. I get out. I open the side of our van, and Mason's just sitting there perfectly quiet. I said, Mason, are you okay? And he said, Mommy, I'm all better. Can we get some nuggets and french fries? <laughs> it, was, it stunned me, stunned me. So I would call that an instant answered prayer, like miracle. Like my child was screaming, we prayed, and before I could even get him to the doctor, he was healed healed. Now it takes faith to pray the miracle, you guys. It takes faith to affirm that God did it. So if you're sitting there thinking, ah, it must have been gas. Listen, I don't know what it was. I know Jesus healed him. That's what happened. And so sometimes, let that encourage you, sometimes we pray for something and boom, it happens. But I would venture to say most prayers are not answered in an instant. Most of the time, it doesn't happen like that. And why is that? One of the reasons I can think of why all prayers are not answered instantly is because God is a good father. And a good father doesn't lavish his children with every whim and wish and selfish earthly desire that they have because that produces entitled selfish children. Right? So... God is so good, he's too merciful to be a genie and grant all our requests. He's too loving to be Zeus and disregard people's free will and free choices and disregard the consequences of people's actions. He's too loving for that. He doesn't force himself on that. He's too holy to be the Godfather and make your problems disappear in the East River. Right? Because God doesn't participate in shady deals. That's not how he works. But yet, I think sometimes people can pray demandingly as if God's a genie, or fearfully as if God is Zeus, or desperately as if he's the Godfather. And these kinds of prayers are fear-based. They're not faith-based. And they're probably likely harmful to you if you got the answer you wanted, or they would be harmful to other people because self-serving, demanding, careless prayers are not kingdom prayers. They're not God's will. Let me give you some examples. If you pray, Lord, don't let me get caught. (laughs) You might be outside the will of God. If you pray, Lord, send me a new spouse because I can't stand the one I'm married to now. You may be outside the will of God. If you pray, I hope that idiot burns for all eternity. You may be outside the will of God. Just Would God say yes to a prayer that is outside his will? No, of course not. He's not going to do that. He doesn't do it for others. He's not going to do it for you. What did Jesus teach us to pray? Jesus prayed, your kingdom come, your will be done 
Every prayer needs to be within the realm of the will of God. Just within the realm of the will of God. I think sometimes we get an idea of the will of God, and it's like this tiny thing in a big ocean. You've got to find the one drop, and that's the will of God, right? But the will of God is really vast. You guys remember the garden? There was all the trees and all the animals and all the plants, and God gave them everything and said, don't do one thing. Right? The will of God is very permissive. The realm of his will is very vast. And so how well can we know the will of God? How well do you know God? How well do we know God? Let's look. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of him and the knowledge of his truth. So prayers for salvation are the will of God. Uh, let's see Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And Forget not his benefits, who heals all your, uh, oh, sorry, forgives all your iniquities. And he what? Heals all your diseases. So is healing the will of God? Yes. Excellent. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you have all sufficiency in all things at all times. So you may abound in every good work. Is provision the will of God? Yes, you're getting it. Colossians 3. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Is reconciliation the will of God? Yes. Luke 10. Jesus said, I have given you authority over the power of the enemy. Matthew 10. Jesus commands, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Is power over the enemy the will of God? Yes. So, this is not an exhaustive list, but you get where we're going, right? How well you know God is how well you know the will of God. So, let's assume, we're going to assume we are praying kingdom, Christ-centered, it's in the realm of the will of God prayers, okay? Then why is waiting necessary? I'm praying the will of God. I know this is the will of God, but yet it didn't happen in an instant. It didn't happen for me. Why can't I just pray once to God about that and then let's never talk about it again? Why do God and I keep having to reconvene on this issue <laughs> over and over? Let's go back to Luke 11. Here's what I think many readers miss. Jesus is saying, so I say to you, ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. And then he says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Who do we experience more and more the more we ask, seek, and knock? Say it again. Who do we get? The Holy Spirit. When we ask and we seek and we knock, God is freely giving us his Holy Spirit. You thought you wanted a car, but really what you were wanting and needing is the Holy Spirit, right? This is the gift. This is the generosity of our God. Without the Holy Spirit, we're just senselessly repeating prayers. 
without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are just repeating the same prayer over and over and over again. And repeated petitions are vain repetitions without the power of God. And then it's just like we're begging. We're just begging God every day. God, please do this. God, please do this. God, please do this. And it's a fruitless prayer because there's no faith because you don't need to beg the one you trust. You don't need to beg the one that you trust. So my kids don't beg me for dinner. Mother, please. (laughs) Mommy, please feed us tonight. No, never not once. They have never not once done that. They will come and ask me, what's for dinner? What are we having for dinner? But they know I'm going to feed them dinner. And then I will give them an answer they either like or don't like. (laughs) See how much this is like our prayer life? And then Juan will inevitably really try to make the case for pizza, despite the dinner I've started. So persistent prayer. The persistent prayer is so crucial because every time we pray, it's a heaven-on-earth moment. God is meeting us in that moment, and he's meeting us again in that request. And we are inviting the Holy Spirit into our request and into the journey and all the variables. Because you guys, how many of you know there are variables to what you're asking God for that you have no idea, you can't see, you don't know all the twists and turns? There's a lot of stuff going on. And remember, God's not Zeus. He doesn't just wipe everything out and make it how we imagined it would be dreamy to be. We invite the Holy Spirit into the journey of that request, which will eventually lead to the outcome. So the power of the Holy Spirit is what makes for an effective prayer. And we all want that, right? Do you want that? The power of the Holy Spirit in your prayer? But there's a key to how this happens, and it has to do with you. So in prayer, there's a God part, and there's a you part, and this is the you part. And if you can get this, it'll change everything about your persistent prayer. And if someone says, what did Melissa talk about today? This is what you say. Are you ready? You ready? Sharon's ready. Are you ready? Okay. This is what I want you to remember. If you forget everything else, remember this. The effective persistent prayer yields continuously to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Yields continuously to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean by yield? Surrenders to the Holy Spirit. Surrenders to his prompting. What do you mean by prompting? Um, People call this different things. You might have heard people say leading. The Holy Spirit led me to do something. Or the Holy Spirit impressed. I felt the impression of the Holy Spirit. Or I felt the unction of the Holy Spirit. And I can describe it to you like, you know when you're on a plane and you've been um, cruising at an altitude and all of a sudden the pilot will hit the acceleration and you go from kind of just nothing to zoom. It's like a version of that in your spirit. There's just an acceleration. You just have the sense. Or have you ever, on the same plane ride, you're landing and you're landing and your pilot's really good and you just softly like touch the ground, you just kiss it and you're like, have we landed? Like you just felt this soft whoosh, the womb. The weight of it, the gravity changes, that's like the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you fill it within your spirit. And so our part in the persistent prayer 
is to yield to those promptings and those leadings of the Holy Spirit, which you guys are happening all the time. How often we're aware of them, that's a different story. But the Holy Spirit is constantly, you know, it says he's interceding for us, interceding for us. And so really our prayer kind of just joins in his prayer that's already being prayed. Perfect intercession. And I mean, you would think, well, if the Holy Spirit's praying for me, why isn't everything perfect? Because there's a you part. He's doing his part. There's a you part, and it's yielding. So we're going to discuss a few of these promptings so we can learn to recognize them better. And the, the first one is this. The Holy Spirit wants us to be partnership-driven. So the Holy Spirit insists on our willingness. He, he doesn't partner where we won't surrender. So my prayer is only as effective to the extent I'm partnering with God on that request. My prayer is only as effective to the extent I'm partnering with God in that request. So I need to be sensitive and attentive to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 instructs us to be being filled with the Spirit of God. It wasn't one time, hey, that day I got saved and I was filled with Spirit. No, be being filled with the Spirit of God. This is a daily thing. It's kind of like praying without ceasing inviting yourself to just be filled with the Spirit, the presence of the Lord, and being led by that. And if you think about it, our partnership with God goes all the way back to the garden. Man was given what God created, something beautiful, and man was given dominion over it. And then man stopped partnering with God and partnered with a serpent. And creation became fallen creation. And what was, had been ordered became disordered right? And then Jesus comes. Jesus comes into a world that's fallen and where there's sin and death and war and hate. And Jesus dies and is resurrected and has the victory. And you know what he does? He gives us back dominion. Jesus gave you back your dominion. Are we still in a fallen world? Yes. But did you know you're not a victim of that world? That you have it, you are, have dominion and authority in the name of Jesus over situations. This is one of the reasons we pray, you guys, because the situation is not the final word. We bring back the order of the kingdom into the disorder of fallen creation. Ho! We bring back that order in faith, and so that's our part, and that's what we're doing. So let me give you an example. So I'm praying for Julie, who's an atheist, and my prayer might be Okay, God, and let Julie find salvation in you. And that's a good prayer. And that might be what I pray for a while. But in partnering with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit imparts new insight and new information. So I don't pray the same thing every day. So the next day I might say, uh, Lord, thank you for surrounding Julie with like godly friends. Let, let a believer at work find her. Or I might say, Lord, I just thank you today that she feels your, your loving presence while she's going about um, her errands. Or I might be prompted by the Lord to come against a spirit of deception that's attacking Julie on a particular day. Or on another day, the Holy Spirit might be like, ooh, you need to pray in tongues over Julie because you, you don't even know what you need to be praying. So you pray in tongues. And next week, Pastor Hale is going to teach on praying in the Spirit. And so don't miss, do it, give it up. 
So if you're like, oh, well, I, that's, that's not comfortable for me, or I want to grow deeper in that, come next week and get that prompting in motion and working in your life. And so these are all promptings of the Lord, which help me partner with him more effectively. And um, gosh, it's so important to pray what the Holy Spirit wants us to pray. Right? It's so important to stop and pause and, and lean in and say, Lord, what is your heart today? What are you wanting to do today? And to speak that out. There's such power in speaking that out. I mean, does an old newspaper help you? Right? It's daily bread. The Lord has daily bread for you. So for us to be praying exactly the same thing from 10 years ago is like an old newspaper. New stuff's happening. We need fresh impartation. We need fresh insight. And that comes from the Holy Spirit. All right, the Holy Spirit will lead us into also being preparation-driven. So because our original prayer request didn't happen like that, we have time. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for the time. God's given us time, so what do we do with it? Do we just complain? (laughs) I've been praying so long. Or do we take it to prepare ourselves, to study, devote ourselves to prayer, to equip ourselves and help strengthen and support those around us? So for Julie, this might look like the Holy Spirit might prompt me to make her dinner. The Holy Spirit might prompt me to buy her this book. The Holy Spirit might prompt me to watch her children. The Holy Spirit might prompt me just to call and check on her. And all these things, all this time, all these actions, God's using them to tenderize her heart, to reveal who he is to her and how he sees her. It's preparation. This is not wasted time. The time you spend in prayer and the time you spend waiting on the answer is not wasted time. Preparation is a real James 1 moment. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In this waiting, God, in this time as you're preparing me, Lord, I ask for your wisdom so I can do the thing I'm supposed to do. And when we're doing everything unto the Lord, that is part of our persistent prayer. It's a very tangible, real part of that prayer. The Spirit of God wants us to be peace-driven while we're waiting. His peace is sustaining. His peace sustains us. And the Holy Spirit will prompt awareness of our thoughts and our attitudes if we're not being led by his peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And the Holy Spirit is that comforter. And in prayer, we have additional promises like in everything, in Prayer and supplication, make your request known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And y'all know to wait in stress and anguish is torture. 
If you're persisting in prayer and you're really stressed out, that is torture. And it's kind of like, if I'm like, what if Julie never finds Jesus and she dies in a car crash tomorrow? That's not even a prayer. That's a worry. It's not a prayer. It's a worry. And your brain will make you think it's even kind of a prayer sometimes. But that is fear. And fear invades your thoughts to discourage you so that you give up. Don't, don't listen to the parable. Just give up. Stop praying. It's been 10 years. Just give up. Obviously, God doesn't want to do it. Just give up. No. Follow the peace of God. Amen. That's a lie from the enemy. Resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the thought. Oh, that's kind of a whole other sermon. No, it's not. If you have anxiety or worry or fear, resist the devil and he will flee. End of sermon. But what do we do? We don't just resist the devil. We have to run towards something else. What's that? The peace of God. I'm giving up the worry to hold on to the peace of God. You're exchanging it for something else, which, by the way, is God's promise to you. You have to receive it. Anyone can take a reservation. <laughs> you, have to, you have to hold on to that peace. And it will slip out of your fingers, but you've got to pick it back up. You have to choose peace. It's not automatic. Choose the peace. And the Holy Spirit wants our prayer life to be peace-driven. We're not praying out of anxiety. We're not begging God. We are praying peace, peace, shalom in our prayers and for the thing that we're praying about. I want to share a testimony with you that I hope encourages you to boldly approach the throne of grace and make your request known to God. I always dreamed of having a daughter. So in 2002, when I became pregnant with my first child, as soon, I mean, as soon as I knew I was pregnant, I prayed, Lord, I want a daughter. And I knew I was pregnant with a girl. And then I went to the ultrasound. <laughs> and Julius is awesome, and I wouldn't trade him for anything. And then in 2007, I became pregnant a second time, and I knew it was a little sister for Jules. <laughs> knew it until I went to the ultrasound. <laughs> and Mason is irreplaceable, and the world would not be the same without him. So I have two amazing boys, and still I longed for a daughter. And it hadn't happened the first two times I prayed. Those first two pregnancies, it didn't happen. But I still longed for one. So I asked God again for a little girl, and something shifted in me. I knew it was not going to be a third pregnancy. I knew it was going to be through adoption. I just did. And so I, I kept praying. And Scott and I talked more and more. Like we started having more and more conversations about adoption. And we just started praying it together. And it, the desire deepened. And it went from like a dreamlike one-day prayer. And God prompted urgency. Pay attention when God prompts his urgency within you because that means it's time to move on that. Yeah. 
it's time to move, next level move. And so that's exactly what happened. He lit this fire within us. He made us feel urgent. And so we started, okay, then let's really learn about the adoption process and let's really talk to people who've done it. And so we did that and we went to a conference and we picked an adoption agency. And uh, I mean, the Holy Spirit is preparation. He wants us to be preparation driven, right? You can't just say, please bring me a girl, please bring me a girl and never do anything. Like, you have to do your part, so you do your part. And so we did all the training classes, and we took all the courses, and we did all the paperwork, and the Spirit of God was like elevating and growing our prayers and growing my jurisdiction over my future daughter. And I remember the day I went from praying, Lord, bring me a daughter, to bring me my daughter. She's my daughter. And she's just not in my home yet. And someone else has my daughter. And that took my prayer to a whole new level. Praying over my daughter. And I remember one night, just that, like, I realizing my spiritual authority had already started. She wasn't in my house, but she was mine. And I got on my knees, and I was just doing spiritual warfare. Like the Holy Spirit said, we're rebuking things. And so I started rebuking, like, the spirit of destruction and abuse over my daughter. And I started just, just calling out for the protection and provision of the Lord to keep her and guard her. And then years months passed still and we're still being interviewed and we did our home study and people came and interviewed our kids and we emptied a bedroom in our house and we painted that room and all this time we didn't know who she was and we didn't know how old she would be but we just kept preparing and do the things that we knew to do and sometimes you guys in the waiting it got stressful but we chose to follow the peace of God because we knew God was fake he's going to be faithful God will be faithful and after 15 years from the first time, I asked God for a daughter. He answered. He answered more abundantly than we could have imagined. And just to show off, God dropped her to our doorstep. <laughs> Adeline's name means noble pearl. And she is a pearl of great price. And the Lord gets all the glory for her showing up on our doorstep. But I know this, she was birthed into our lives through the persistent prayer. From yielding to the Holy Spirit, yielding to his promptings, from partnering with him and preparing and following his peace. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The parables on persistent prayer are not about praying perfectly or being perfect. They're about not giving up. And most times, the persistent prayers are the heaviest prayers. God, heal my child. Rescue my loved one from depression. Save our broken marriage. Bring my friend through cancer. And the greater the need, the greater the perseverance. Ephesians 6 instructs us, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. 
put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. So we stand and we pray. Let's talk about when God answers. When God answers yes to our request, it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome. And then we have the responsibility of honoring God with his yes. Never take it for granted. Honor him with that yes. And then in our persistent prayer, sometimes we get a not now, and that's not no. Not now just means not now but we're not going to give up. So we're going to keep partnering with the Holy Spirit and we're going to keep preparing and we're going to keep yielding and we're going to keep choosing to follow in his peace. And then sometimes we get rest. And this is a nice one. Rest is the Lord telling you when you think about this need, it's just, it's time for praise and thanksgiving. And you just thank the Lord for how he's moving. And you give God praise because he is fighting the battle for you. And so you're going to be like Jehoshaphat. You're just going to praise the Lord. You're just going to walk around Jericho and you're going to praise because the walls are going to fall. And then sometimes it's a different answer. So what happens when... It doesn't turn out like we hoped that it would. What happens when we don't get that outcome? Well, we have um, two choices when the outcome is not what you prayed for. And choice number one is to assign blame. God, this is your fault. I believed and you weren't faithful and you didn't do what you promised you were going to do. Or we say, oh, this is my fault. If I'd have had more faith, or if I'd have done this, or da-da-da-da-da, then I would have earned it. And that makes our prayer works-based. And it makes your prayer mean if you would have done the things, you would have gotten it, so then you were the answer to your prayer. And that's just an icky road. Don't go down that road. Or we can say, oh, it's their fault because I pray they'd get delivered from drugs and they wouldn't stop taking them, and so it's their fault. And all this does is lead you down a pit of resentment and then you lose heart. And Jesus said, don't lose heart. So we can assign blame or we can choose love. You can choose the unstoppable love of God. You can trust that a day is coming when all will be made new and all will be made right. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we choose to hold fast to his love, and then you will not lose heart. 
Only then will you not lose heart. I don't know about you, but there's about 37 things I'm in persistent prayer about. And those shift and change depending on where we are. So what are you in prayer about? What do you need to believe God for? You can ask him. Don't be scared to ask him. If it's big, ask him. If it's tiny, ask him. What are you contending in prayer for? Don't give up. Don't give up. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So we're going to be ambassadors of the kingdom. We're going to flow in the Holy Spirit. We're going to act. We're going to move. We're going to pray. And we're going to bring the kingdom of heaven into this world and into our situation. Will you bow your head with me so we can pray? Dearest Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and your tenderness and your instruction. And God, my prayer was that this would be applicable, that we could take this and we could walk in it. So Lord, thank you for how you lead us. Thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit, who is teacher and comforter and friend. And thank you, Father, that as we reach out and partner with you, that you will do mighty things that there is no name above the name of Jesus, that if we're praying for the salvation of someone, that you are on the move, that if we're praying against cancer and disease, you are on the move. If we're praying desperately, God, for our families, you are on the move. And Lord, we are going to be sensitive and we're going to flow and we're going to pray the moment that we feel, Lord, that unction from you. We're going to surrender to it. God, may our spirits yield continually to your precious spirit. And I thank you, God, as you're mighty to save, you are mighty to intervene. You're mighty to intervene and change what may look hopeless on the outside. There is no hopelessness in you. You are the God of hope. And so I thank you, God, that you're just raising the expectation of everyone in this place to believe for bigger things, mightier things, for the kingdom things you have for us. In Jesus' name, if you receive that, say amen. 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 If our prayer partners would come, if you have a prayer need, you would like someone to pray with you about, you may come forward and they will believe in faith with you. This week, may you go through your week with the fresh revelation that you are not alone, that the Holy Spirit of God is in you, leading you, and will impart to you, and that things won't be the same. In the name of Jesus, be blessed.